0: Hi, I'm Roberta, and I'm a Grateful Recovered Compulsive overreader. <laughs> and I've been saying that I've, I'm a Grateful Recovered Compulsive overreader for about 10 years now, because in the big book, in the preface to the first edition, it said, we are 100 men who have recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that's what I've recovered from, that seemingly hopeless terrible compulsion obsession I just don't have it right now I don't have it anymore for today and for that I'm so grateful it doesn't mean that I'm cured I still have my moments I will always be a food junkie um but I have recovered and I think it's It it gives me dignity and grace to say that I've recovered. And so I continue to say it, even though I know it's controversial. And some people say, I'll never be recovered. I'm recovering. And I see that point of view, too. So hopefully it doesn't make me grandiose. And, uh, (laughs) And I know that it's just a state of mind, a hopeless state of mind that I've recovered from. And if I say nothing else today, I hope that I give somebody some hope. Because when I came into this room in 1979, I was over 240 pounds. I was reaching my 40th birthday and I felt really hopeless. I was demoralized. It looked like I had a pretty good life. I had two young children. I was married to a lawyer. I had a house in the suburbs, blah, 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 blah. But I was dying inside because I just didn't like myself. I hated myself and I couldn't stop going to the food every time something came up, good, bad, or indifferent. The food was there. That was my comfort. And it's always been that way. I was uh, born into a loving family, but food was very much the focus, and we ate a lot, and I thought that a normal portion was a pound of steak. And, you know, when I was on a diet, I would eat two hamburgers and carrots and peas and a baked potato for my dinner, like... Um, You know, my parents, I don't know if they were compulsive eaters or not, but they were both uh, overweight and enjoyed their food. And um, so the purpose of this program, when I came in, you told me I had an illness and that really helped me to know it wasn't my fault and it wasn't about willpower. And you also said to rely on God. So that kind of one foot, the the illness brought me toward the room, but telling me I had to rely on God kind of kept me away because I came into the program pretty much agnostic and not willing to have a higher power. I thought it was all about me, my ego, my drive. I could accomplish what I set out to be. And, uh, you know, I was brought up in the time that, you know, you are control, you know, you take control of your life and you can accomplish what you think you can. And maybe for some degree, we still give that to our kids. You know, you can do anything you want. You At least now, we, we do bolster self-esteem. For some reason, even though my parents told me I was wonderful, I never believed it. And... Um, just never believed it and uh, So I just always needed the crutch of the food and it didn't really start to hurt me till my teen years when in eighth grade I was 213 pounds and you know started realizing that I don't fit in I was being teased by the boys humiliation not being able to get a normal-sized gym suit and and so many things along the way And tried a lot of diets, always successful, always gained it back because I thought that once I got to that weight, I could just miraculously keep it, you know, go back to eating what I wanted to eat. So I never got the concept of you have to eat less to maintain a, a lesser weight. <laughs> I thought it was all about the diet. You get there and woo, you know, the confetti goes up and I go into the chocolate cake again. Well, didn't work that way. So, um You know, successful Weight Watcher, even became a leader for a year and a half until the scale showed that I was gaining weight and they kicked me out. And so when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was ready. I loved it. You gave me a blue sheet, which was a food plan then. You had either a gray sheet, a blue sheet, or an orange sheet. We've evolved so much with our food plans. You know, there was a time when there were no food plans. We did away with them. We said that's an outside issue in the uh, 80s. And then we came back to a dignity of choice or going to a nutritionist. and, And now we had food plans again. And when I came in, abstinence was a tool. It wasn't the purpose of Overeaters Anonymous. So there have been a lot of changes and a lot of, uh, OA did a lot of growing up. And uh, I have 15 years of abstinence and I feel like I'm like a teenager now, 15, and uh, still growing up, but yet old enough to kind of know my mind and, and be happy with who I am. It took me a lot of years in this program to get there. I lost 100 pounds in my first 10 months, went on the speaking circuit, did the 12 steps, and uh, relapsed because I was in a very uh, defined food plan, which for me doesn't work. That punishing aspect, oh, now you broke your abstinence, go back to day one, is not a good thing for me. I need something that's more loving and more uh, open. So I don't have, I came in before the red light, yellow light, green light food was all the rage. So I never did that. And honestly, the big book talks about the allergy of the body. My allergy is not about a substance that I eat. It's about feeling full. When I eat too much and I get over full, I want to keep going. It's something crazy in my brain that starts in motion and I don't can't stop. I don't want to stop. So for me, it's not a particular substance. We're all different. We all have different fingerprints. We all have different food prints. And as I've heard in these rooms, my abstinence will kill you. Your abstinence will kill me. I've learned to love myself. My abstinence is just eating with gratitude and sanity and joy and dignity and choosing foods that help me maintain a healthy body weight and working the 12 steps, having a higher power to rely on. So that didn't come easy, because in 1981, when I broke my abstinence, I was off and running. I never gained back the whole hundred. I gained back 50 pounds. And the big book says half measures avail us nothing. But for me, half measures availed me half measures. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I maintained 50 pounds of the 100, and my life was much better than it had been. I, you know, and uh, I trudged along, and I had periods of recovery and a lot of periods of relapse, whether it was a day, a week, a month. But I kept going to meetings and I kept using the tools and I always had a sponsor and I I tried to give away what I had. And that helped me to stay in the herd, to stay in the center. And it was... 22 years of that. I mean, I, when I think back, I hardly can believe it. I mean, I I went to meetings where I was eating on the way to the meeting, cried during the meeting, ate on my way home, but somehow I kept, I kept being involved with OA because I knew the answer was here. And while I was in OA, I said, maybe I'll take diet pills. I'll have that little extra something, you know. <laughs> I mean, I did crazy things even in program. But they never really worked they only worked temporarily and somehow in 2002 after i had retired from my teaching job and i thought well when i retired the world would really be terrific i wouldn't have to get up and commute to east new york every day in brooklyn it didn't happen i was getting out of bed one february morning in 2002 and just dragging myself oh another day and not being at all joyful. So um, I went to the bookstore and I got a, a, a self-help book and it said, When Were You Most Authentic, Happiest? And I remembered it was in my early days in OA when the fire was lit, you know, and I really knew that the answer was here. And why did it elude me? Because I didn't have a real connection. I didn't have a personal God. It says to choose your own conception of God. And I resisted it. And I heard speakers saying, well, my, you know, there was just people had higher powers from doorknobs to trees to everything but I thought that seemed silly and uh so I had nothing you know it's like contempt prior to investigation so um in 2002 I was ready I said you know I hit my bottom physically in 1979 when I was over 240 pounds but I hit my spiritual bottom in 2002 because I just had no joy in living and that's the beauty of this program that's the promise in the 12th step the joy of living and so I knew I wanted a sponsor who would be spiritually minded and I got one and she helped me to define a higher power by then my son had become an orthodox uh, rabbi, and I thought I needed that higher power. I was always looking outside. I went through a period of pot smoking thinking that that would give me a higher power. <laughs> you know, did a lot of outside programs, you know, transcendental meditation, and I went to S workshops and always looking on the outside and never realizing that really it is within. It is within and uh, it, all it takes is the willingness, the key to just open that door a little and say, I can't do it. I can't handle this food. So I need a power greater than the food. I need a higher power. And yes, I did have higher powers in my life. My father was a great higher power. I adored him. Food was always a higher power every time I turned to it. So make a higher power. Get a higher power. And she helped me to to imagine what a higher power would be for me. And it's still amorphous and I'm not quite sure. But I have a better idea of God being a force in the universe, and love, and truth, and beauty, and God is in all of us, and um, I try to connect with God, and so since 2002, the food obsession has left me. I really don't fight with it daily. Yeah, sometimes it comes back, and I have moments, and uh, I wish I could say that I had Clean food sobriety. You know, I admire the people that are very black and white. For me, it hasn't been that way. I can't separate my life from my food. When I'm anxious, there'll be an afternoon where I'll go and I'll open the fridge and I'll have ten baby carrots. I'll take a quarter of an apple. But nothing like the binges that I used to plan with boxes and bags. Nothing that resembles that at all. Um, And the big book tells me that as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition, I will have this reprieve. That's the thing that I have to work. It's about the steps. It's not really about the food. It's about working these steps. So step one, I had to admit that I am powerless, surrender to the food. The food was always going to win if it was just me and the food. So step two, a higher power comes in, something that can get me, empower me to handle the food, to deal with the food, to enjoy the food. I don't want to not enjoy my food. The biggest switch in me is turning from a person of punishment to a person of love. Love myself back. Not punish myself because I had that extra string being. Not punish myself because it didn't look perfect today. But I hear in the rooms that perfection is one of my defects. I definitely relate to that. So is people pleasing. I was so nervous because I knew this was going to be on a podcast. I'm not usually so nervous when I speak to people, but something indelible like they used to say in school, it's on your permanent record. (laughs) So I but I shared it with you and every time I shared it, I became a little less nervous so that. Uh, now I'm just having the normal amount of nervousness that people get when they um, Are trying to just impart everything that I know everything that I've learned that's good for me I want it to, to, to cling to you to velcro you and to, to connect um, So the higher power is is the key and that's step two That's where you get your hope whatever your higher power is connect with it I went to a spiritual advisor because a lot of my Christian friends were going to spiritual advisors so in in 2003 or 4 I went to somebody who was trying to be a spiritual advisor and um, everything helped because anytime time that you're trying to connect you're walking towards it and the willingness is what it's all about so, step three: that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, God. I, you can tell my uh, Brooklynese guard comes in and coffee comes in. but people tell me that it endears me to them, so I used to hate the accent now it's okay. <laughs> i 'm learning to accept myself as I am, which is such a total change because I never was thin enough I never was smart enough I never was good enough and you know that was my my judgment and thank God because of this program I've learned that those are defects that judgment that critical nature you know that it takes me a long time to get something um you know that's okay that's okay It takes me a long time to start praying for somebody. You know, one of our steps tells us that when we have a resentment, the best thing to do is to pray for the other person. So somebody had corrected me at a meeting, and I felt really anger to them. They said, you're breaking the tradition. And, um, you know, my pride... And every time I saw her at a meeting, I wanted to take a knife and stick up with my heart. And finally, after like six months and the feeling was still there, every time she walked into the room, you know what? It tells me to pray for the person. So I went to page 552 in the big book and I started wishing her good health and prosperity and happiness and really everything I wanted for myself and it says do it even if you don't mean it but somehow saying the words and thinking about her I started meeting it almost immediately and it's been about 10 days now I started a week ago Thursday And I really, when I saw her in a meeting, I felt almost warm to her. It's amazing. This program has such wisdom in it. It's totally amazing. If only I'm willing to do it. So step three is turning my will and my life over to the care of God every day. And so that means to pause when I'm agitated or not knowing what to do. And I learned that in this room because I was always full steam ahead. But now I can pause and I can say I don't know. And I can just breathe and try to center myself. Doing the inventory is wonderful. You get rid of all that past garbage and all the stuff that I felt shame and guilt about. Giving it to someone is wonderful. I get a lot of healing by sharing with people. And six and seven is a lifetime of work. Those are the steps that take away those defects, the impatience, the arrogance, the judgmental, quality in me that um, I was reading a book and it said that humility that that word humility it's so hard to define it says humility is the freedom to not have to prove that I'm superior all the time that's what I need I don't have to prove I'm superior now I don't have to tell my husband "Ah, you're wrong I've got to change the perspective I've got to change the glasses and see things in a new light And it also said humility is awareness that there's lots I don't know and lots of what I think I know is wrong or distorted. So I can work with that definition of humility and that helps me. And I have this little, um, it was a shopping bag that I got from a store in England that I liked. And so that was like every time I came up with a defect, I'd write about it and put it in the bag. And that was about four years ago when I took it out the other day. Still working on the same ones. It's still, it's still there, but they're not as gross. They're a little bit better. And eight and nine, doing the amends was wonderful. I made amends to my stepdaughter, who I did not treat kindly. She cried. I cried. We have a much better relationship now. All the amends didn't go so smoothly. But I am willing. I am willing. Ten is the daily, daily inventory. Uh, I don't do anything formally with it, but when I'm in the middle of checking out at the supermarket and the supermarket uh, clerk is just irritating me, I can quickly, quickly change my attitude, and that's making living amends my relationships today are wonderful my son and family live in Israel I get to see them at least once a year we talk a lot on the phone my daughter lives in the same building with me I have a little year and a half grandson that I see every day um, my relationship with my husband is so much better than it was because I am not always right I am often wrong and even though we're, we even see things different politically I can make space for him and uh that's just the miracle of this program the tolerance love and tolerance is our code and uh step 11 is my favorite uh years ago I made a special room in my house my meditation room I painted it a beautiful blue I put up all kinds of posters I got a lazy boy chair took out books on meditation and uh you know, I listen to guided meditations. I, I'm still looking. I'm, I to do mantras, but I do it every day, even if it's for five minutes. And 12, the joy of living is carrying this message to others. That's my greatest joy in this program. I knew when I moved from New York to L.A., I would have plenty of friends because I am in this program for life. It has given me a design for living it has given me a way to live my life that's clear when I when I mess up and the big book doesn't say if it says when it's going to happen not going to turn into this wonderful angel because I'm in this program but when I trip up there are ways that I can get back to normalcy and to you know feeling good about myself again so i'm comfortable in my own skin today that's amazing you know um just the ability to maintain the weight has been wonderful uh this dress uh, is about 10 years old but and I haven't worn it for a long time but I took it out this morning I said oh I feel like wearing that I knew it would fit it's just such a wonderful freedom this program has given me the freedom from the obsession of the mind and body from the obsession with the food from the obsession with myself Uh, even though I'd like to be the Chiquita with the label on it I know that I'm one of many and that that serves me best that really serves me best to be one, abozo bozo on the bus with all of you. And um, I wrote down all these wonderful things to say <laughs> in case I got stuck for time, but that didn't happen. Um, I think the, the, the most important message is that there is recovery in this room. There, are, there is hope, there is freedom from food obsession. I've learned gratitude and acceptance. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place or thing unacceptable to me and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place or situation as exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Then I don't like this line so much, but nothing, absolutely nothing happens (laughs) in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my compulsive eating, I could not stay abstinent. Unless I accept life on life's terms, I cannot be happy. Thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be the, audible on the OA podcast, and I will try to remember to restate the question. Uh, so, who has a question? Julie. Hi. Um, Oh, I'd love to. Julie asked me to talk about sponsorship. (laughs) Uh, I love sponsoring. I really, I sponsor a lot of people. And um, I sponsor the way the person would like to be sponsored. Uh, When I first came into program, my sponsor uh, expected me to call daily. I wrote down my food. I told her what I was going to eat. And I did an assignment. And after many years, I heard a wonderful speaker talk about if you're taking calls every day, then you're not available for other people. So I started defining my idea of how many times a week to connect a little differently. And so I connect approximately two or three times a week with my sponsees. And at that time, some of them do text me their food or email their food. I kind of stay out of food. I'm not a nutritionist. I've never been to a nutritionist. I made my own food plan, and that works for me. So I think if you're honest, you know what works for you, and that's the first principle. Be honest. And uh, so I don't really comment about food unless you ask me for some input. I, um, I work the steps. I do it through the big book, through our 12 and 12 and through the AA 12 and 12. I think they all are wonderful sources of information and uh, and so we, uh, for some I just chat, we chat 15 minutes. For others we work a question, we work steps, we read. There's another outside book um, on step six and seven that I'm reading with one of my sponsees now. So I kind of sponsor the way you need to be sponsored, the way you like to be sponsored and I have two sponsors now. When I came to LA, I got an LA sponsor. My other sponsor is in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona and I call that, the one in Scottsdale maybe once a week, once every two weeks just to kind of maintain. She's my life coach and the one in LA, I call her three times a week and we connect. So. It varies, but I think it's, it's a wonderful tool for me as a sponsor, and it's, it's important because it's the lifeblood of the program. You must have a sponsor. I know you can work it without, but why be on your own in the, in the, in the uh, lake when you could be on a raft with someone else? Virginia. Say you know any versus some other program that you would try that didn't work. What was it about OA that kept you coming back for all those years when, when you didn't have perfect results? Thank you. Uh, what was it about OA that kept me even through 22 years of struggle? And uh, for one thing, It was the fellowship. I had made some really tight friends in program and I don't know, but on the East Coast, we go out to lunch after every, (laughs) after every meeting. So there was a lot of fellowship and a lot of connection and we go to, I played mahjong with a group, we had a book club, we went to shows together. So that kept me connected through the people that I met. And I knew there was something in the steps. I liked the idea of them It's just that I kept tripping up and not having a clear path. But I liked the idea because I didn't have a clear Ten Commandments, this is how you live your life. And I knew this was a design for living. And my life was so much better. I mean, I used to scream and yell at my kids and find any reason to lock them in their room so I could be in the kitchen eating indiscriminately. And that didn't happen during those 22 years. You know, I'd go out and, and do crazy things and have a binge, but it was just the behavior was a lot better than it had been. So I knew there was something here. I just the, the, the total idea of it eluded me until I made the spiritual connection. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your share. Uh, I worked with 12 steps and I'm dealing the adjustment, and it was suggested for me as well to pray for their health, well. And then they got it. <laughs> <laughs> they got it right uh, fast. And I'm dealing with it. Because <laughs> 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 I want
1: that stuff. It's a
0: It's a It's not So, so she's saying that she did pray the resentment prayer and uh, the person got all those things and more. <laughs> and uh, then so the resentment now is a different resentment. <laughs> and how do we get beyond that? So um, yeah, well, the first thing I do when I have a resentment is I take a black magic marker and I really curse the person out and write. I have to get out what I'm really feeling. I can't smooth it over with just chocolate icing. Okay, it'll be okay. Gotta dig out the foundation, and 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 you know, and every time that I've done that, it has uncovered more. And somehow it's not about that. Something else comes up, and more is revealed. And so I do a lot of that kind of angry writing and then sometimes I burn it and that releases it we used to have a tool that was writing and burning and that when coffee tins were actually tin and you could rip it up and 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 burn it and I've done that and that has helped me that has released things so I think expressing it is important and then going back to that prayer and just doing it again and uh yeah, no, I've never really experienced that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. Um, service, and what is your latest service on the board help reveal to you about yourself? Thank you. Ellie's asking about service and that how and how it helps me uh, uncover different uh Things about myself. I can't say enough about service. I became active in the intergroup level on the East Coast and was the chair and went to the Region 6 and went to World Service. And every time I was with a group of people, recovering people, and we're all trying to get better and work on ourselves. But it's like toddlers in a sandbox. We take the sand and throw it in each other's eyes. And I found myself doing that and reacting to it and so service really helps me grow it really because before that I would blame anything that I didn't get was because I was overweight and so you didn't like me and it was kind of that kind of a wall that I put up but now I'm at a healthy body weight and doing service so I can't blame it on that I, uh, a few years ago, I decided to run for the Board of Trustees, and maybe my motivations weren't exactly right. Maybe I wanted the fame and the glory or whatever I thought it was. Anyway, I lost very badly, uh, did very poorly, and um, it just taught me to take responsibility that I'm not the be all and the end all, that the intergroup will function fine after I leave the board in October, there will be someone else to take its place, so it makes me more right size, not thinking I'm the great I am. So I knew when I came to L.A. I jumped right in the middle of the herd because I always heard that the sheep in the middle are the most protected. The ones on the outside get picked off by the wolves. So selfishly, I do a lot of service, whether it's intergroup and, you know, on the world uh, level. And uh, it, it always helps me to grow and to see my where I need to work harder on myself. Thanks for that question, Ellie. Robin. Thank you so much. That's uh, so useful. Uh, what would you say to someone that's an atheist or an agnostic, that is it impossible to get a program unless they are planning on good question what do you say to the atheist or agnostic who's having trouble finding a higher power Um, nothing else works Um, I, I point out to sponsees who struggle with this that food was our higher power And when you can see that you do have higher powers in your life, whether you're atheist or agnostic, there are things that you value, that you hold up to high esteem. Those are kind of gods in your life. And when you can see that there are things like that, Maybe a value, uh, I know many people in this program who are atheists and are recovered and are living a happy, joyous and free life. You do not have to have the traditional God, the religious God. This is a spiritual program. So your concept of your spiritual higher self is what you go for and I would encourage them to, to search that out. You know, we say write a want ad or something like that to help. Casey. Thank you so much. Have you ever ditched a sponsee in a sofa you talk about it? <laughs> that, that's a good question. Uh, what do you do uh, when you need to let go of a sponsee? Uh, I struggle with that because I know that it's a program uh, that I, I grow most through love and uh, that's what I'm seeking and I agonize a long time about it but if it's if it's something oh there goes the phone again it's that person and if I'm dreading the phone call and I just feel like I can't listen to another complaint or another you know, whatever is happening, first I try to change the way the conversation goes. I say, let's study a step. Let's do reading together so that I can focus it. And I do try to work and improve. But if after a long time, and I had a sponsor recently and it just, it just wasn't helping. It wasn't working. Everything. And, and, and she'd come back and sort of complain that I'm pushing her and I'm doing this. And I just realized I don't want to be criticized. I really don't. I, I'm only doing the best I can. And so without even thinking about it, I told her it would be best that we go our separate ways. And it hurts. Um, I'm sure it hurt her. And uh, I hope that uh, she doesn't hold the resentment. And if she does, I hope she'll pray for me. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a difficult situation. But if I find that it's impinging on my program and I'm I can't take another minute of it, I have to sever it. Thank you. Okay, Michael. Um, so, like life, sometimes life turns fearful. It should happen. So, can um, you talk about it. Had happened, and he got back into the fear: and get back to God. And wrote, That's really a good question. Uh, what do you do when the fear is there and you just can't get back into God? you know stuff happens and So I'm very fortunate that in the last 15 years nothing tragic has occurred in my life. And uh, I've had situations where when my son and daughter-in-law and six grandchildren moved to Israel, that was a big blow to me in 2006 because they lived an hour away and I saw them weekly and they decided to relocate there. So that was, that was difficult. But it was interesting that my reaction was that this was a better way of life for them. Immediately I thought of them. This program has taught me to think of others and then uh, in 2012 uh, 12, in October Hurricane Sandy happened on the East Coast and I was in LA visiting my daughter and my house was totaled and we had like four feet of water in the house and I had to rebuild and I don't know I just I don't I'm not anymore I don't get to that point why me I know I've learned in this program why not me And so I called contractors and I was ahead of the people on the East Coast who were dealing with you know, no electricity and I was here and all the comfort and I got a contractor and we rebuilt the house and it helped me to let go of the house. I decided to sell it and move to LA because at that point I had rented an apartment here and I was kind of back and forth and I'm not a person who can live in two places. I gotta be all in. And so it helped me to move. So in retrospect, I always see how these things kind of help me, uh, but no, I haven't really felt that kind of in the, in the mud hole like that. Thanks. Yes. Uh, I'm just about medication a little bit. Can you go know a little bit into what that looks like to be like a medication that you that And also, uh, like before and after, like where is active currently in the and how do you see it? thank you he's asking about meditation in my life and and I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's the most important thing is that every morning when I get up I still have that negative pessimistic brain and I wake up but I thank God for restoring my soul I go right into my prayer and meditation routine which takes anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour and I have a, a little God box with about over a 100 little papers with prayers on them, and every day I do another series of them. I do some journaling. I uh, I say the prayers that I talked about and then pray for people. And the meditation looks like uh, I, there are a few apps on my phone that maybe is a 5-minute or a 10-minute sort of um minimal word type meditation I love the um, the ones that tell stories and they're about 20-25 minutes they take me to a sun beach or to a cabin in the woods or I'm I'm on a hammock and just leaving all my cares there so I love the guided meditations I think they're my favorite when I have 20-25 minutes I do those and um, and I've tried ones with mantras uh, for 10 minutes, and I'm not real keen on them. But I breathe, and I, I'm willing to try it for 21 days or for however long the little course is. There are so many of them offered free online and through apps, and uh, you know I'd be willing to talk to you afterwards. But that's like the most important time of my day because I walk out of there and I'm optimistic and feeling great and feeling like I'm in the penthouse and I'm just where I'm supposed to be and and life is good and so uh, that time of connection is a wonderful time and I can do it when I'm in my car just by getting quiet and breathing God in and out just the breath by by pausing and giving myself chance to breathe you know stop the world I want to get off just give myself a minute and that's that settles me down. Thank you. Okay, perfect timing. Thank you.